Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, friends, we're around 24 hours away from the UFC's first pay-per-view of the year, 24 hours away from the rematch from UFC 178 over six years in the making and 24 hours away from the return of the biggest star in the sport, the notorious Conor McGregor, as we welcome you to the UFC 257 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Hack, being joined by Jose Youngs in Abu Dhabi and from the Great White North, Mr. Alex K. Lee and gentlemen. I am excited to talk this big night for the lightweight division, this big event for the UFC. But first, I got to let everybody know that the UFC 257 preview show is brought to you by ESPN Plus. Because like we just said, Conor McGregor makes his long awaited return in a rematch against Dustin Poirier at UFC 257 tomorrow night only on ESPN Plus. UFC 257 is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99, or you can sign up now to get UFC 257 and an annual ESPN Plus plan for just $89.98. So if you do the math, you get the pay-per-view plus for an extra $19.99, you get a full year of ESPN Plus. Visit ESPNPlus.com forward slash UFC 257 is exclusively available to ESPN plus subscribers for $69.99 or you can sign up now to get UFC 257 and an annual ESPN plus plan for just $89.98 so if you do the math you get the pay-per-view plus for an extra $19.99 you get a full year of ESPN plus visit ESPNplus.com forward slash ppv to order UFC 257. All right, Jose, it is finally here. And I'm not talking about the final event from this trip to Fight Island. I know you're excited about that, but Connor is back for the over Donald Cerrone a year ago. He takes on the man he put away in the first round at UFC 178. I'm curious because you're there. You got to see it live. We got a press conference with some fans. We got official weigh-ins. We had ceremonial weigh-ins and face-offs with fans. We certainly have a long way to go to normalcy, but did this fight week in general, especially the last 48 hours or so, did it feel a little more normal? Did it feel like there was a bit more of a buzz in the air, so to speak? It's a good question. Uh, normal in terms of it's as normal as it can get during a pandemic. I think we were talking about this, like me and Oscar of the Math Life. Like the only thing really missing from a normal fight week this week was the open workouts. Uh, obviously, media day. Uh, we didn't have like the, the old style media day with the, the fighters and all the chairs and we'd walk around getting one-on-ones and everything. We had like the media day, like a fight night where they sit out, they sit in front of a, a group of mics and uh, answer questions like press conference style, which I actually kind of prefer sometimes, especially when we have like a lot of seats now in this pandemic era. So still a, a little bit of ways from nor- normalcy in this, in 2021, but compared to the last 10 months, this is as close to normal as I felt covering an event. That's for sure. 
AK, this whole week, the ABC card this past Saturday, Wednesday's card, they were essentially appetizers for tomorrow night. UFC 257 at the rematch between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I want to touch on this right off the bat because one of the narratives heading into this fight is, you know, Conor already put this man away. The mental advantage is clearly there, which in some people's opinion is why the line has moved so much in the McGregor camp as much as a three to one favorite in some cases. So heading in, sure, this first fight is always part of the story. But how much stock at this point do you put in that win from over six years ago at UFC 178? Uh, Mike, I'm going to I'm going to cheat here a bit and just parrot some uh, talking points that Daniel Cormier made. You know, hey, he's a great analyst, steal from the best, I say. Uh, he made some of these points yesterday at Thursday's media day for uh, co- the coaches and for the UFC broadcasting talent. He he was saying it, it can go both ways. You know, uh, on the one hand, yes, there's that lingering uh, doubt of man, this guy beat me before. You know, but it was a, a first round finish. It was a quick finish, which is discouraging in its own way. In another way, if you're a fighter, I think you can, uh, you know, do some gymnastics in your head and say, well, he, I got caught. You know, if I made it out of the first round, if I made it past the second round, I really feel confident I could have beat him. Everybody gets caught. It just wasn't my day. Uh, he was a better man on that day. Plus, anyone heading into the second fight, you would want, you you could say, you want to assume that it's the, the person who lost the first one comes in with a little more motivation. They're, they're, they're the ones with more to prove. Uh, not to say that McGregor will be will be uh, overlooking Poirier in any way. The fight was so long ago, six years ago, it was in a different weight class. Uh, they're different in many ways, similar in many ways, but I think McGregor and his team are, are smart enough to not think like, well, even though they're predicting a fast finish, I think it's because they've taken the preparation seriously uh, and because they still view him as such a respectable opponent. So I, I, but I do think the mental aspect is huge. It's impossible to predict how much it'll, it will actually affect Poirier uh, until we see it happen. This is just like all the Cerrone talk, you know, before, uh, before last January's uh, fight with McGregor, where I didn't think the mental aspect would be that big. And afterwards, a lot of people uh, pointed out that it, it may have been a factor and it was hard to argue against it. So, uh, you know, we won't know, but it's absolutely worth discussing. And uh, yes, we just don't know if it will be motivation and provide extra drive for Poirier or if it is that sort of thing in the back of his head that could lead to uh, lead to his folly. Jose, there's been a lot of talk about the improvements Dustin Poirier has made over the years. And yes, Connor has improved as well since UFC 178. But I, I want to get your take on this because there's one aspect of Dustin's game that has gotten so much better that I think is flying under the radar heading into tomorrow night. It's his composure, especially when he gets himself in danger. Like prime example was that second round against Dan Hooker because Hooker had him in big, big trouble in that round of the year. And honestly, if the Dustin Poirier who fought Connor or even the Dustin from like four years ago is in that same predicament, probably would have gotten finished in that spot. But Dustin stayed calm. He stayed composed. He got out of the round and then went on to win the fight. So sure, the skills have improved, but being able to stay cool in those tough spots, I think this is a severely undervalued trait of Poirier's heading into tomorrow night. What do you think of that? Yeah, I would agree. He's definitely matured both in and out of the octagon, and so is Connor. Um, I don't know the the genesis of this maturity or the the calmness or coolness, like you said. Maybe it's the fact that the worst, like, can't get worse. Like, he got choked out by Habib in a in a, a, a title unification fight, and before that, he got knocked out by Connor in the first round when Connor said he was going to knock him out in the first round. That really kind of lit the fuse of the the McGregor hype train. Well, I guess the, the Dublin card did, and then it spiraled up from there with the the the, the first dozen Poirier knockout. So maybe he's like the worst – Worst case scenario is out of the way. Like I've I've been humiliated on the biggest stage, and it, it can only go up from here. And also, he's not he doesn't hate Khan. Like he's uh, like like you've all seen the clip. Like I've never disliked someone more in my entire life. Like 
and that's not the same Dustin Poirier. Like they're sharing hot sauce and whiskey now. And they're, they're, they're both like, as, as Connor said uh, in one interview, and I asked them all this at the press conference, like, yeah, they got better in the octagon and they got mature and they're grown men. They're also dads now. So it's like having a kid, you got to mature real quick. And so uh, they're both, they're both dads to young kids. So yeah, completely different uh, men, uh, they both have bigger things they're fighting for. So I just think they're viewing this as just the, the, the peak of competitiveness. There's no animosity between them. So I think that helps, but yeah, I don't know where, I don't know. I never asked Dustin about it. Maybe he just went to a psychiatrist, uh, sports psychiatrist or something and just got his head on. Right. But yeah, you're not wrong. I'm a mature Dustin Poirier. Tom Dustin Poirier is a dangerous, dangerous cat. AK, of course. And this is, no disrespect to Dustin Poirier and his team, but this is this is the Conor McGregor show. He's the biggest star in the history of the sport. He's been off for a year. You know, he wanted to stay active in 2020. He wants to fight three or four times in 2021. He's getting himself a pretty stiff test here. Like, no offense to the legendary cowboy, but this is not Donald Cerrone he's fighting. This is a hungry game Dustin Poirier who has gone on to put away Anthony Pettis. He put away Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez. He beat Max freaking Holloway in a five-round fight, which if you watched the fight this past Saturday, you know how crazy and important that is. Connor, obviously the heavy favorite coming in based on the odds, but based on where you personally line this fight, like in your own mind, do you feel like Poirier is getting disrespected? Do you think he's getting a little bit overlooked heading into tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, I think he's getting plenty disrespected. I think uh, I'm not. I'm not saying you know the current line, which I think is hovering around three to one, uh, three to one favorite for for McGregor. I'm not saying that it's unrealistic, but uh, it certainly is bulletin board material for Poirier, who is a much more accomplished fighter than McGregor is at 155 pounds. You know, yes, they both came from featherweight. Yes, uh, McGregor defeated you know uh, uh, excuse me defeated Poirier when they first fought just six years ago. It matters. It matters. Like I said, as we discussed earlier, it's there, no matter what. That's a, that's a fight that uh, is going to have a lingering effect. But it was six years ago. Um, yes, McGregor's a two division UFC champion, but I mean, uh, uh, Poirier won an interim lightweight title, and in, in, this is the toughest division of the sport. So there is a little bit of disrespect there. He's he's fought he, he's fought better competition. I think you can maybe argue that then McGregor has he's fought more frequently. I guess it's fair to say, uh, and against against top shelf competition. So, I, I don't know how many people are there are out there that think, you know, Poirier is necessarily going to get blown out. I guess I guess I'll you know reveal my own prediction later. But um, I, if there is anyone out there that thinks this is just like a complete, you know, oh it's just going to be a rerun of their first fight, but maybe quicker, like uh, McGregor is saying it's going to be, I, I think that's that's a that's a bit off base. Uh, uh, Poirier again is is as good as almost as good as anyone that McGregor could fight right now at 155 pounds. There's one more thing I want to ask both of you guys about before we get to our picks because this I mean this fight's been broken down like crazy. But Jose, obviously the title being in the conversation, we're all very aware of what is at stake tomorrow night in terms of like what's being presented to us. Like the winner of this bout will more than likely find themselves in a title fight the next time they walk to the octagon against whom that is up in the air. But when you have a fight like this in a division like this, you cannot afford to take a backward step at all, especially with all these contenders coming up. So when you have a guy like Connor, there's so many options for him. Like he garners so much buzz and attention. He's a massive superstar. So if he loses tomorrow, unless he gets knocked on like 10 seconds or something, it stings, but it's not the end of the world. How much does this set Poirier back in this division if he loses to Conor McGregor again tomorrow night? It depends entirely on how he loses and if he loses. Because, like, what did, did Dan Hooker win his last fight? No. Where's Dan Hooker now? 
the co-main event of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view. So it, it matters completely how you how you win and lose and your perform. It is a very much a performance-based sport. Like we've talked a million times. Like how many times have we done preview shows or pre-fight Q and A's or post-fight shows and we've said like he may have lost but he definitely gained a lot of fans he didn't fall in the in the rankings or whatever he looked great even in defeat like it 100 if he goes out there and loses in 60 seconds like connor did that is devastating uh, especially if he if he doesn't if he, if he shows no sort of offense it just crumbles uh to connor again that's awful if he goes out there and fights like dan hooker or he fights like he did against uh, anthony pettis or he, he just goes out guns blazing as fight of the year candidate again and he loses i mean he didn't he, he like connor is building up Dustin so much in this fight that we're expecting this war and, and it's like we've said a million times that why put your opponent down because then if you look any bad if you look bad you just you're looking bad to a bum Dustin Poirier's not a bum Conor McGregor knows that and he's building him up because of this fight it can, I, I firmly believe Conor isn't going in there expecting to win in 60 seconds he's expecting the toughest fight of his of probably of his career uh, Dustin's never looked better he's massive he's like 180 190 pounds uh, on Saturday so yeah it's Dustin goes out there and fights an epic war like he has, like against Justin Gaethje, against Eddie Alvarez, uh, against uh, Dan Hooker. He's not losing any sort of momentum. And I firmly expect him uh, to have a pick of pick of the litter at when, if he comes back again. But the fight has to happen. He could very well win, and this is all just hypothetical. Right. What, what do you think about that, AK? Like, what we, we know that a potential title shot is at stake for both these guys, but maybe legacy wise, where they stand in this division, like, what is at stake for Dustin outside of a possible title shot? And you know what? What do you think is at stake for Connor here, considering the options that are on the table? I think for Poirier, it would hurt a lot to lose to McGregor again. I mean, it, it I, I can't imagine that he even thought he was ever going to get this fight again, you know? So, so in some ways it's almost like a bonus, you know, it materialized because of uh, some of the chaos that was happening with uh, between McGregor and Dana White and McGregor in the UFC and, you know, uh, Poirier and, and McGregor kind of just seized upon that opportunity to, you know, try and make a fight for themselves for charity. And then it just, you know, turned into an actual UFC rematch, which is fine. Uh, but for, but I think now that Poirier has it, I, I think to lose to McGregor twice, and I'm sure going to their first fight, even as when they were both younger men, I'm sure Bapore was 100% sure. He never thought for a second he would lose to Conor McGregor. Uh, and, and I'm sure he has the same confidence now. He's probably doubling down. There's no way I'm going to lose twice to this guy. There's just no possible way. So I don't know how badly it's going to affect him in the rankings or in the eyes of the matchmakers. He's such a popular fighter. He probably goes from losing a pay-per-view to headlining a fight night, which is not the worst thing in the world, right? Um, but personally, I have to imagine it, it would set him back. There's, he's he's a very, he's a mentally strong guy. He's he always says all the right things after wins, after losses. But I know internally, uh, I I can only imagine as a high level athlete to, to kind of falter in that sort of situation twice. What kind of psychological uh, you know uh, damage that that would do to him? I think it'd be really really difficult to get through. I think we might see him take a break uh, if he happens to lose the fight, regardless of how it happens. Decision KO. I think we see him to take a little bit of a break, maybe come uh, to the summer or something like that. I hope that's not the case. This is I know an odd bit of pessimism for me. As for McGregor. Uh, yes, there's a lot of line with the win, but for him, there's always just so many possibilities. I mean, his name is so big. He keeps saying he might go box Pacquiao. Uh, he'll always have a, a Paul brother fight in his back pocket, so he decides to do that. Uh, so it'll hurt him. Uh, for sure, it'll hurt him, but he's always one fight away, one quote away, one call out away from uh, getting himself back to the top. So it all depends what he wants to do. If he's serious about actually competing as a UFC dedicated UFC lightweight, then a loss will hurt a little bit more. If it's just uh, lip service, 
the loss is almost meaningless to his grand plans. Yeah, he could always run it back with Dustin a third time if he loses. So, I mean, that's another option on oh. the table. But it's time for the big time for the big decision, the picks, AK. We're going to begin with you. Can Dustin Poirier negate the loss that has been attached to him for years, or does Conor McGregor go 2-0 and in this series? What do you think? This is not meant to be disrespectful to Poirier. I, again, as I said earlier, I think he's I think he's better. I think he's being a little bit overlooked by uh, by people who are you know who are the casual money that's coming in. But I do think he gets finished again. I think he makes it out of the first round this time. But I have I just think McGregor's offense is so potent. I, I really think he's one of the best finishers. I'll go as far as say he's maybe one of the best finishers we've seen uh, at 155 and, and 145. If you want to go there, he he has a knack for finishing fights. Uh, call call it the, the the power of the left, the magical left, whatever hyperbole you want to use. He puts guys away, and Poirier gets hit a lot in his fights. I don't know if he can withstand taking a lot of damage from uh, McGregor. There's a lot of things strategically he, he could do, but I feel like, again, you know, all fights down in the start on the feet. I think he's going to want to test the striking of McGregor, and I think it might cost him. So I'm, I'm going really specific with this one. I think a somewhat competitive first round with the edge to McGregor, and then McGregor finishes in round two. What do you think, Jose? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, this is the, probably one of the harder fights I've picked in a long time. Uh, I think this, this is a 50-50 fight for me. I, I, I was leaning towards Connor, uh, but after speaking with Daniel, Daniel Cormier at the uh, UFC media day where he was breaking down Dustin's skills, specifically his boxing, like his check right hook and everything, he really did play me, though, especially when Dustin got in the stare downs today. Like, Connor does a thing where he gets down, he gets real low, and he, he poses and he tries to get his opponent's face. And yeah, it's all good fun, but Dustin did it right back to him. Like, he did not back down. Cowboy looked like he thought it was all funny and he was taking, he had, Connor was acting like he had won just getting the fight, if that makes sense. Like, getting the fight was the big win. Dustin is taking this so seriously. He has a great camp, uh, probably the best camp in the world. Uh, Mike Brown has had him locked in all week. I've seen them running every single day over here at the, at the hotel. And I'm going to pick Dustin. And I don't know if the trilogy happens right away, but it happens eventually. I don't want to say a knockout, but I just think Dustin is clicking on all cylinders right now. Like he said, a million interviews. It's the healthiest he's ever been after his hip surgery. It's the, his last fight against Dan Hooker. Because like, we've talked about it, like the old Dustin Poirier would have faltered against Dan Hooker. The old Dustin Poirier was basically fighting on one leg with that damaged hip. So uh, full health Poirier, dad Poirier like motivated uh, focused Poirier whatever you want to call him I just think this is the most one of the more dangerous fights that Connor could have a hyper durable massive lightweight who can hit hard and take a lot of damage I'm gonna pick Poirier I'm gonna lean Connor I mean obviously I think Dustin has improved so much to become not a really good fighter but I think I think Dustin's a great fighter his composure his defense has just gotten so much better over the years as I've alluded to already but it's just a different ball game when Connor touches you. Now it's no secret. If this gets to the championship rounds, things get very, very interesting, but Connor has proven that he can go five rounds. Like maybe he's not, you know, at a hundred percent win capacity, but Connor can hang in there and, and, and use that heart and will to, to get him out of tough spots. So I, I do think Connor does get him out of there before that. But if you're looking at this from like a betting perspective, if you wanted to take a shot on Poirier and hope that maybe his game plan is, is a little more wrestling heavy and gets this thing to the mat, I will not blame you whatsoever. So give me Connor, but I will say that my confidence level is as high as most people out there. That is for sure. As we uh, 
take a, a gander at the co-main event. Another important fight, 155 pounds. You got Dan Hooker welcoming Michael Chandler to the UFC. And we sort of touched on this AK during the weigh-in show. But this narrative that Michael Chandler is getting this massive step up in competition fighting Dan Hooker, who is an excellent fighter, I'm not buying into that. I'm not buying into that at all. What say you? Well, uh, some of that narrative was kind of created by Chandler himself. Was hasn't even kind of saying stuff like well, one of the things he said was, you know, the whole time I was training for uh, for my opponents in Bellator, I was training for the best in the world, and and that's in the UFC. Uh, and I know he was spe- probably speaking like specifically more about like Habib or or big names, but it did make it sound like he was a little bit acknowledging, you know, the narrative that that the Bellator competition isn't up to the the par of the UFC competition. So ki- kind of self inflicted. Um, but yeah, I look, uh, this is this is the match that a lot of us wanted. I mean, we all, I think, for uh, Chandler, we, we speculated, you know, uh, after uh, he was picked as an alternate for for the uh, Habib Gaethje fight, and then we all said, well, what, what could they actually do with him? We said Hooker was a top option. We said like Paul Felder. Uh, I think Charles Oliveira was certainly a name that had come up. So so Hooker was was the right call. So it'll, it's it's the right call, honestly, for a fun debut for him. Is it a favorable debut for him? I'm, I'm not sure who I would uh, favor Chandler against. Maybe Paul Felder. Or maybe you might have favored him in that matchup. This is going to be, this is going to be a really difficult uh, welcome to the UFC. Jose, I think with the styles these guys each bring to the table, the things they each do really, really well it's really excellent matchmaking here. Like each guy presents great challenges to the other. Like Chandler's wrestling can certainly give hooker a ton of issues tomorrow night. While hooker has these like perfectly timed sneaky knees up the middle that could thwart all of that. He's long, he's crisp on the feet, volume striker. Both guys possess a lot of power as well. What are your thoughts on this co-main event? I think this is the worst matchup that Michael Chandler could have had in terms of uh, stylistic matchup and just the person stand like the hype around it. Like I love this fight. Like, I think this is good. This is like, in terms of who he could have fought, uh, this is way up there for like uh, my top choices. He could have, but like Dan Hooker said that a million times, he's not the biggest name compared to everyone in the top five or in, at lightweight. He's has the worst stylistic. He's tall. He's rangy. He has knees. He has great striking. He's hard. He can, you can get takedown, but it's hard to keep him down. Uh, so I think this is an awesome fight, and it's but it's the worst possible matchup for Michael Chandler to have. And I actually think Michael Chandler likes that. Like he likes the big test right away. And like looking at like the whole thing of like Michael Chandler getting a big step up in competition. I think it's true in recent fights. Like, I would favor Dan Hooker against Banson Henderson. I'd favor Dan Hooker against Sidney Outlaw. Patricio Pitbull is an anomaly, I think. I just think he's one of the best fighters on planet Earth at, fe- at featherweight, lightweight, and I featherweight, lightweight, and I even think he'd go to bantamweight. Uh, Brent Primus, I'd favor Dan Hooker. Uh, I'd favor Dan Hooker. Brandon what, Gertz. Uh, Oh, who else did he fight? Uh, Primus, I know he had that weird calf kick thing. So, but I would still, I still favor Chandler in the rematch as like I did in the first fight. Patricky Pitbull, David Rickles, Eric Campos, like all those guys, I would favor Dan Hooker over. So this is a tough test. Dan Hooker's in the prime of his career. He had a lot of octagon time for only two fights, two epic wars. Whether that's a guitar on him, I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, Dan Hooker is, as he called this fight, three rounds is a holiday for him at this point. Five round war against Paul Felder, five round war against Dustin Poirier. I, I favor Dan Hooker. Michael Chandler's awesome. I don't think a loss is going to hurt his credibility too much, if he, especially if he lasts all three rounds. As you saw what happened to Andy Alvarez, he loses to Cowboy Cerrone. Still was on the 
on a, on a run and finishes RDA and gets the big Connor fight. So Michael Chandler losing still adds a lot of fun matchups to the lightweight division. A win, I am pretty confident he could get a title fight right after that. Maybe the Habib fight, highly, highly doubt it. I give it a half percent chance. Habib comes back, maybe gets the Connor fight, maybe gets the Poirier fight, maybe gets the Gaethje fight. But man, Chandler does not have an easy task ahead of him. I'd favor Dan, Dan Hooker just based on his last few performances for sure. But this fight absolutely rules, and I am so excited for it. <laughs> you made some some interesting points there, Jose. Before we get to your pick, AK, because it looks like Jose is leaning towards Dan Hooker, much like we discussed earlier, you cannot afford to take any steps back in this division right now because – not only are there a lot of guys in the conversation, there's guys in the pipeline. We got a couple of weeks from now, we got Diego Fajeda and Benil Dariush about to fight. They're going to put themselves right in the mix with the win. There's Charles Oliveira. There's Justin Gaethje out there. Possibly Nate Diaz is out there. Although we haven't heard much from Nate on that aspect, if at all. So I guess my question is, AK, no matter who wins this fight, is a win enough here to get to where these guys want to go? Well, I mean, gosh, Mike, it's so hard to say because, again, we, we don't know where they want to go is they want a lightweight title shot. And the picture should be a lot clearer than it is. Again, uh, you know, I, I, I'm of the of the belief that UFC 257 should have been headlined by a title fight, whether it be whether it be they vacate, they vacate the belt, take it off uh, Habib and just and just give it to the winner of McGregor Poirier. I would have been fine with that. They were, if they want to keep uh, futzing around with the Habib situation and then just do an interim title. A little less appealing, but I'd still be fine with that. Uh, and then, yes, and then essentially Chandler and uh, Hooker is a number one contender's about tentatively a number one about because I do feel like, depending what happens with uh, Charles Oliveira, uh, what happens with Justin Gaethje, again, uh, Nate Diaz possibly coming back and just stealing the spotlight, the UFC could go a lot of ways with who they decide would be opposite uh, Poirier or McGregor in, in, a, in a, a lightweight title, a future lightweight title fight. So. I, I don't know. It's it's because we don't know uh, what direction the lightweight title is in. It's impossible for us to say if a win puts the fighters in that direction. We we just don't know. Um, but ideal scenario, or what, or I think sorry, it's a realistic scenario where I don't think Habib comes back. I do think the title is eventually vacated. Uh, I I I think the winner of Chandler and Hooker, depending on how it goes, probably still one fight away. Uh, I don't I, I don't I don't know if they necessarily automatically get uh, the McGregor and Poirier winner that's how i would do it to keep it simple but again there's other names out there other options uh the ufc has a way of uh, making things more complicated than they need to be uh, for, for a variety of reasons um so yeah i'm not quite ready to put the stamp on the coleman event as a uh, number one contenders bout even though it's positioned perfectly to be so yep i do agree with everything you're saying i think it's kind of highlight reel or bust if you want to skip the cue so to speak but uh jose is going with Dan Hooker, do you have a, a certain method, Jose? We got a decision. You think he gets a finish? What do you think? Yeah, I would say de- I, I would say decision. Uh, Michael Chandler is tough as nails. Yeah, he's been finished, uh, and uh, the Will Brook losses look worse and worse every day. I'm sorry, Mike, but it, it's true. Um, decision. I think it's going to be a good fight. I don't think Michael Chandler is going to be out of his element whatsoever. I think it's going to be similar to the uh, like the Dan Hooker Felder fight, where I think a lot of people thought. Dan Hooker won that fight, but it was really close. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a competitive decision for Dan Hooker. Five rounds. So I think he could finish in a five round. I think he could finish in a five rounds just based on the amount of damage he can accrue over time. But three rounds, I'm gonna say competitive three round decision for Dan Hooker. 
So as of right now, AK, Dan Hooker is a slight favorite at around a minus 140. Comeback on Michael Chandler at around plus 120, but it's lined very close no matter where you go to for your betting odds. Are you going with the favorite Dan Hooker, AK, or are you going with the former Bellator lightweight champ? I'm definitely going with a favorite. I, I understand why the line is close. Chandler's credentials speak for themselves. He's a lightweight with a lot of knockout power. I mean, again, he's a small guy, compact, but boy, and again, that, that compact frame packs a lot of punch when he lands one of those haymakers. He's a good striker, powerful wrestler, great athlete, all that good stuff. Everything you want to see uh, in a top five, top 10 lightweight. But I do lean towards, uh, I'm, I am going with the favorite. I'm going with Hooker. Uh, I think this is, again, if it's a striking matchup, which it probably will be for the most part, very hard for me to bet against Hooker uh, in almost any situation unless he's fighting like a Poirier or like an Edson Barbosa or something like that. Uh, he's 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 such a such a great striker. He's going to have a, a, a very uh, significant size reach advantage, so that can't be discounted. And I also think he'll come out to a fast start, which uh, might be a little bit of an issue for Chandler. And it's funny, we, uh, Jose kind of touched upon a five-round fight. It's a shame it isn't five rounds because I could see Chandler almost having like a dropping the first two rounds and then coming on strong in the third. And if there was two more rounds, maybe having a chance to bring it back, like like Poirier did in the Hooker fight, it is not a three round fight. So I think Hooker will will win the first two, uh, and if he doesn't win the second, uh, sorry, the third, excuse me, it doesn't matter. He's going to take the decision. So uh, I'll go Hooker by decision as well. It's a really tough fight to pick for me because both guys are really good. Both guys have big fight experience. Although Chandler has had probably more experience on that end. Yeah, it was on Bellator, wasn't on as big as of a stage, but. And I know a lot of people look at the Patricio Pitbull fight and how that went down. And yes, that was very impressive. But if they fought again, I don't think it goes down that way. I would lean towards Pitbull from like an odds and a, and a pick perspective. But I, I have a hard time believing he would get KO'd in the first round again. And look, Hooker has ways to win this fight. But you know how I make my picks. I go on my gut. And my gut is telling me that Chandler has a little bit more in the toolbox to get it done. It could be a boring win. And because of that, I will lean with Chandler to grind out a unanimous decision. But I don't think it's going to be the type of win where the matchmakers and Dana White and the fans are going to be hankering for Michael Chandler to get into a title fight right away. But I see him in a position where if he wins one more against a guy like a Gaethje or an Oliveira, he'll get there. But man, I think this is going to be a really, really competitive fight. But I think Chandler just has a little more in the toolbox to get it done. Now, if he that first shot, that first shot's going to tell us a lot. If Hooker can avoid it, and, and and pummel and get away from it power to him this could be a rough night for chandler but if he gets an early takedown and builds that confidence it could be a tough night for dan hooker but i love the matchup i'm leaning chandler but ever so slightly but uh there has been a shuffle up to this card nazrat Hakparast fell ill so he's out of his fight with arman sarukyan Atman azatar <laughs> has been pulled from his fight with mafravola and to add to that dana white told not only UFC Arabia, but BT Sport as well, that Azaitar has been cut from the UFC because he and his team violated safety protocols. And according to Dana White, Azaitar and his team cut their wristbands and they handed them to somebody else outside of the zone who then snuck in past security and scaled balcony. It's just a crazy story. It was all caught on film, but uh, he's out. What a stupid mistake that was. But Frivola is going to remain on the card. Luckily, he's going to fight Sarukyan in the featured prelim. He's going to get 20% of Sarukyan's purse because he missed weight. And as a result, Andrew Sanchez versus Mahmoud Muradov is the main card opener to join the main and the co-main. Jo- Joanne Calderwood versus Jessica I, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Hiba. So now we go to the under-the-radar fight, fighter, or storyline heading into UFC 257. AK, we will begin with you. What you got? 
You know, uh, I've been kind of uh, touting the Brad Tavares, Antonio Carlos Jr. battle of middleweight gatekeepers. I'm fascinated by that narrative. But now, now I'm really looking forward to this newly formed Matt Frivola, uh, Armand Sarukian matchup. Uh, I, I, it's, I liked the Frivola uh, Zyder matchup. Uh, I thought that was a neat one for sure, uh, and maybe more something to be more of a stand-up affair. Now we really got to see how Frivola's uh, wrestling defense is because uh, Sarukian is like it's just wrestling and, and and groundwork so uh yeah i'm i'm really interested now in seeing how this one turns out i don't like it for favola uh i think he had a little bit more of a chance against azatar uh but hey you know what this is such a weird circumstance he's also giving me a pound by the way sarukian did not uh he came in at 159 originally came in again later came in at 157 uh so i guess i wonder if that either minimized the, the amount of penalty he would have to pay or just made it so that uh Frivolo would accept the fight in the first place maybe the the three pounds was too much uh so that's another thing to factor in but hey look if what a story it would be if Frivolo can get the win here he wasn't able he's had a bunch of delays and cancellations and postponements he's he's and he's a fighter who's like who's really talented it just hasn't had a chance to show it just hasn't had a chance to step into the octagon so if he can pull out this upset against Surukian, it would be huge. Either way, I think it'll be a fun fight. I think it'll be. I think it'll, it'll be some good scrambles. Uh, Surkian may eventually assert himself, but it's it's one to keep an eye on. And it's kind of cool that even though it's this weird catchweight fight that came out of nowhere, that they have moved it into the coveted featured prelim. Jose, what do you got? Mike, I'll ask you a question. I'll answer your question with a question. Of the last 15 years, who is the 15, 20 years? Who's the best boxer of, all, of those last years? Floyd Mayweather. Bingo. And what would you say if I told you a young prop fighter with a double-digit win streak was managed by said best boxer the last 15 years? What would you say to that? If I didn't already know where you were going with this, I would say, tell me more, Jose. Tell me more. Well, I'm glad you asked, Mike. Let me enlighten you. Of course, AK has never watched this, has never watched one second of boxing. He still thinks Muhammad Ali was called Cassius Clay when he passed away. Mahmoud Muradov is managed by one Floyd Mayweather. He is part of the money team. He reps it all of the time. I've seen him around this hotel, and he is open to talk about it at all times. He also happens to be a phenomenal fighter. So it's, I don't think this is all hype. He was bumped from the, the prelims to the main card. We were doing the weigh-in show, and that was my prediction just based on the connection to Mayweather. They're clearly high on the guy because he's had a bunch of fights fall out, including a Kevin Holland fight. Uh, and we all know Kevin Holland. Like, a lot of people picked him to be fighter of the year, a breakout fighter of the year of 2020. And that's how big Mahmoud Muradov uh, is because they're giving him these big fights so early on into his career. So I am very excited for that. He's fighting Andrew Sanchez, who is a tough guy, ultimate fighter winner. Uh, I think he won, he won his last fight. I think he gets Wellington Thurman. I always get the Vittori and Wellington fights mixed up. I don't know which one was first, which one came after. But, like, has a lot of like a lot of wins over tough durable guys like Marcus Perez and Trevor Smith and Cleo Roundtree who's on this card too so uh, Mahmoud Muradov and Andrew Sanchez is the one I would circle based solely on the intrigue around Muradov uh, and Andrew Sanchez of course is always a fun fight so that is for sure my fight people need to pay attention to outside of the main and co-main event yeah, fireworks wise, I completely agree with you. I love this the fact that this is kicking off the main card. And as soon as we found out there's gonna be some shuffling, this is the fight that I wanted to get the bump up, and it did. I'll be shocked if this thing doesn't deliver the goods. But overall, I'm going with Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Hebas. This is a stiff test for Amanda. I know a lot of people they wanted to see the Carlos Sparza matchup personally. 
I want to see one more win before she gets a fight like that because Esparza just thrives being in that position to knock these hype trains off the tracks. And I didn't want to see that happen so quickly to Amanda. I really liked the Watterson matchup, but I feel like this fight with Rodriguez is a tougher fight than the Watterson fight. It's a perfect litmus test to see how good Amanda Hebas really is. The UFC is a lot invested in her. They see her as a potential star. We saw it on the first fight, Alan Tripp in July. I love this fight. And to me, especially on a Connor card and what's what's in the co-main event, this one is flying big time under the radar. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, with that said, Jose, get some sleep, my man. Just one more event. Just one more event. And then you're off to the airport and you get to head on back to the United States. But AK, great job as always. And all that's left is for these guys and gals to get in the octagon and throw down for our entertainment. But don't forget, we'll have our pre-show Q&A with all of you tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern time, right before the prelims kickoff. So we hope to see you all there. Of course, Jose will have all the scrums.